Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Berger, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group and author of the books 20 Years Behind Bars and its sequel, Parole Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Blum, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry curtain. Oh, and don't forget to... Have a drink on me. Today we have Brendan Moylan, the owner of Moylan's Brewery in Novato, the former owner of the Marine Brew Company, and a partner in Stillwater Spirits in Petaluma, where they produce award-winning whiskey. So welcome, Brendan. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, I guess, huh? (laughs) So we were just chatting a little bit about your whiskey off air, and you said something about corn that I just love to have you say on air. Corn is pig feed? Yeah. (laughs) He's my bourbon friend. Just uh, remind them that corn is pig feed. You know, what we do with with our bourbon and, and from a corn aspect is we blend out as much corn as possible, but still keep enough corn in there to call it bourbon. Because most people don't realize yeah. that bourbon whiskey, the flavoring agent in bourbon whiskey is rye, usually, or, or something else other than the corn. Yeah. Your standard uh, recipe for bourbon is, is 70 to 75% corn. You got uh, anywhere from 20 to 35% rye. And then you'll, they'll usually have about 5% malted barley in there for the enzymes. They need the enzymes from the malted barley to help with the fermentation. When we make a bourbon, we uh, source from MGP, which is one of the bigger producers. They're in Indiana, and they help us with our base spirit. Because I, I do believe that the big guys do a really good job at the early part of the process. I also won't put corn through my mill at the brewery. It's another thing about the corn. No corn in my beer, corn in my whiskey. Rye was the original American whiskey, right? That was the the one, the big one, right? Prohibition put it out of business. And then when it came back, of course, corn's way cheaper than rye. And so that was kind of the impetus for for, for There's a little bit of Civil War action on it, like the leftover crops from the Civil War. They got those guys, those Virginia wild men that were causing a little revolution. They're on their own. Maybe you still are, right? Because (laughs) because bourbon is America's only indigenous spirit. You know, it has to be made with at least 51% corn. Again, most people use 70, 75%. We blend our, our bourbon back so that, like, this this recipe here is roughly 52% corn. It's uh, 18% barley. And then another whatever's left, I think 30%, is uh, is rye. Right. And so it's a high rye, high barley recipe. You'll hear the term high rye recipe a lot. Like, Knob Creek is a rye recipe from, what, Jim Beam, I believe. And that's a, a, a rye version. The cheaper ones will, will have more higher percentage of corn because again corn's cheap yeah right. corn's more affordable rye is the is is the, the flavor component of, of the whiskey for the most part rye has that nice little spiciness i really enjoy rye whiskey i didn't think i would i kind of discounted it or blew it off for years when i had the noonan's bar i really got my um my whiskey on we probably had 500 whiskeys on the list. And not only did we have a list, but we had a list that provided information. It had all the years, the age of these various whiskeys. And then I, I, I went painstakingly, I went through some of the different competitions. And this is one of the things we're talking about competitions and what it can do for you. Uh, you know, I went through those competitions and I figured out the, the scores. I, I, I got some one to a hundred point scores. There was Michael Jackson had done a whole bunch of uh, whiskey writing and and, and wrote about scotch. Yep. Uh, there was a, a gentleman who had a book called The Bourbon Companion, 
way back when, and he gave out scores for different bourbons and gave out mash bills and, and tried to explain a little what was going on in, in Kentucky. So just being able to look at those scores to see what was winning then. And one of the things that I noticed quickly was, what's this Pappy stuff? Got the best score. And then within a couple of years, Pappy just blew up. And now what's it cost you to try to get a bottle of 20 year old? Or a Pappy? bottle of shots, 75 bucks at our place. 75 right, yeah. bucks. For the bar to get a bottle, you probably have to buy a bunch of, you got to buy some of that yes. Wheatley vodka, <laughs> buy some of that vodka from Buffalo Trace. Right. And, if you, and if, you, if they feel like you're, you're supporting their vodka, they might give you some right. some uh, Pappy, and, and that that's Pappy working its magic. I heard that at one point that the Buffalo Trace came to the, the guys that were, ran Pappy, you know, the great-grandson of Pappy himself or something, and he says, they said, hey, partner. And he goes, no, no, we're not partners. Hey, partner, you want that juice? Because yeah. you're buying it from us. Right. <laughs> we've, we've made it and we've been aging it for 20 years. And you're, you want a bottle some more next year? Partner? <laughs> oh, okay. We're partners. Yes. <laughs> so I believe they're partners now. Well, the beauty of the in, of the industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the, the thing with Pappy, you know, like I, I know one restaurant that only gets, they get one bottle, but they sell it to a guy from Indonesia for $2,800. And that's the, the nature of it is it's become so ridiculously expensive. But the fact of the matter is all they're doing really is adding wheat. Right? It's a weeded bourbon. So the recipe is, is just is such that it has wheat. It probably has, you know, I don't know if it's a four grain recipe or just three grains. You know, it could just be wheat and barley and uh, corn. None of this is reinventing the wheel. It's just the name that comes along with it. And, and God bless them for, for the success that they've had. But, you know, there are better whiskeys in the world, for sure. Speaking of which. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this that we're going to try here? Well, we've already kind of diluted it down. We put some, I put some rocks in the glass, and so we added the whiskey, which isn't terrible since it's a fifty-six percent well, alcohol. It's a cast strength yes. bourbon at one hundred and twelve point six. Yes, and this is one of our most reward, awarded uh, whiskeys in our portfolio. It really does clean it up, quote unquote, at, at some of the different competitions. Uh, it won best of show in the Denver International Spirits Competition, uh, which is pretty nice. I got a, a very nervous phone call from I could I could t- the guy was on the end of the phone and he was he was almost shaking. He said, ah, I got something to tell you. You're bourbon. I go, Oh good, we got a medal for the bourbon. No, no, no best of show and I'm like, Oh that's pretty cool. So basically in that whole competition they, they found it to be the the finest product of all. Which is so, pretty outstanding. Yeah. And what what kind of impact does that have then on your business? Doesn't have enough. I'm, I'm bad at marketing. I haven't gone out and done enough sales. I need to get my, um, I always jokingly say I need to get my knee pads on and go out and do some sales. But, you know, it's, it's part, of the, part of the game. You know, right, yeah. like I said, I have the tools. I, I just and the connection, haven't had enough sure. time lately. Yeah. I, I went yeah. through a, yeah, I went through a cancer and I believe I'm cured. I had the prostate cancer and, you know, went through that whole uh, treatment and everything else. And that, that was uh, kind of an eye opener. You know, sure. I'm a mere 5011 at, at the current uh, current age, and you know, how many more years of this do I have left? Who right. knows? <laughs> so, but, well, but you have. I mean, you broke into to Costco. Costco is a is a, a huge buyer, I'm sure. Right. I've seen seen your whiskeys there a couple of times. Yeah, we're in um, four Costcos from Sonoma to Marin in San Francisco, and that must be an enormous amount of volume. They do a nice volume for us. So they do a really good job. You know, down in the South Bay and the East Bay, we're at the Total Wine stores. They keep threatening to come up to Marin and Sonoma, and I'm, I hope they, they, they will. I don't know if they ran out of money or something, but they were opening stores like crazy for a while there. And I was really hoping they would come up this way, too. 
Well, it is ironic with all the talk about local and, and that sort of thing, how sometimes that doesn't that, that doesn't work. People don't buy local products just because. And and that's yeah. that's a constant grind of what is what does that mean? Right. And and I've said Kevin and I have said this on the podcast before, just because something's local doesn't mean it's good. Right. And just because something's popular doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Sometimes you really got to seek these things out. So if I'm going to get some Moreland's whiskey, where, where do I go if I can't go to Costco? The Willoughby store up in Petaluma yeah. is probably uh, our biggest supporter in the sense that they carry all of our whiskeys. And so that's great. So that's, that's a great store. They also have another outlet in uh, Santa Rosa. Was it the Liquor Barn or not the Mart? Liquor yeah. Mart? Or Liquor Mart. Mm-hmm. Santa Rosa is a good store. We have a, a little spot on our website, MoylandsDistilling.com, where it'll give you an idea of where you can find it. it. It is a very limited product. I have been reluctant to sign contracts with some statewide distributors, which is good and bad. I mean, it's good that I have to be careful what I sign, you know. A contract is nothing more than one step closer to a lawsuit. It's the best definition of a contract you're ever going to hear. It's one step closer to a lawsuit. So you have to be careful what you sign. And so I've had a hard time signing some of the paperwork that the distributors put upon us. It's been to my detriment because I have I should be selling more. I should be statewide. I should be in more states than, than we're in right now. That's just a matter of just uh, I, I've got to figure out how to live with signing some of the things, you know. Well, again, you've, you've been in this business for a long time. You've owned several restaurants. You did the live music, which I can only imagine the contractual ob- obligations of doing that. I myself owned a nightclub with one of your former bartenders, of course, Bobby Fontaine, way Bobby back in Bobby. the day. And it'll, it, it can wear you down. So good yeah. guy. Bobby's hilarious, yeah. yeah. But, but at any rate, so I'm... Um, Second I, most famous bartender in the town. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, we were a team. You know, we worked more, more holidays. I didn't get to go to your place yeah, way yeah. back when. What was it? Uh, the Fault Line, San Rafael. The Fault Line, okay. Yeah, so live music seven days a week pretty much almost put me in my grave. People always say, well, when are you going to open another one? My answer is never. <laughs> yeah. It gets back to the restaurant business as a whole is it's really changed. I mean, COVID has really changed uh, the playing field for a lot of different from people and uh, I mean where do you see uh, the industry going now and I mean where do you see yourself in that industry well going? I think the most difficult thing about COVID was it changed people's habits mm-hmm. so people's habits are changed there we have noticed that the diners are coming back obviously we're selling a lot more to-go food than we've ever sold we're using the what is it DoorDash is companies that uh, brings our food to all the hungry people out there charges too much of a percentage right uh, you know again back to the contracts you're thing, back right? to 30 percent you're giving these guys 30 percent i mean that's you're, you're just kind of almost giving your profit away but necessary evils kind it's of a, kind of a necessary evil but the bar crowd you know the bar crowd hasn't really responded i haven't got the bar crowd back we used to what's the difference now what do you, what do you notice in the current bar crowd most of the people are are just it's just just what do kids do nowadays we used to go to the bar and drink a beer or two and get up enough courage to go talk to the girl four stools down. Yeah. Well, now you're they're sitting at home. Swipe left, swipe right, swipe left, swipe right. I mean, shit. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot easier, I guess, on their part, you know. And, right. and, and you know, I say kids, you know, but the, kids I don't even know what you call them in yeah. the 20s now. Because yeah. who goes out at night? In Nevada's kind of a quiet town. Yeah. Calling you out, Nevada. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> You know, whether it ever comes back, like I said, we, you know, two years in the, in the restaurant business, an entire generation in the bar business, yeah. that would have been one cycle of, or two cycles of customers. You know, people, like you said, the people who do meet people, you can always tell when someone has broken up with someone because, hey, I haven't seen you in two years. 
We know what happened, right? There's no mystery. They met someone. They had a relationship. The relationship's over. They're back on the, on the scene again. That's kind of how that industry works. But like you said, this big interruption has changed that. We had um, Suzanne Sylvester from uh, Alamere Spirits on the other day, and they, they did the same thing. They're moving out of the restaurant business into the distilling business because the costs and, 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 and things associated with that are easier to do. And I would suspect that's true for you, too. The restaurant business is a tough business as it is. I mean, I, I opened two breweries because I wanted to open two breweries, and somehow I ended up with two restaurants. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, right? Yeah. You know, right now I currently have eight shifts a week here at Moylan. Yeah. So come and visit Brendan at the bar. He's yeah. here a lot. <laughs> well, you were here at six o'clock this morning by Every, making breakfast. Right? I, that's one of my shifts. That's yeah. the eighth shift. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that means I don't get a day off. Right. <laughs> I haven't yeah. had a day off in a long time. I'll do whatever it takes. You know, that's what the restaurant business is about. That's what Moylan's are about. You know, we're hardworking people. My right. old man was a hardworking guy. He was a laborer, farming background, immigrant. You know, he's, my, both my mom and, and pa were from Ireland. They had seven kids, and I'm right in the middle of all seven. So I know how to get along with people. You know, but they gave us a good, um, they gave us a good worth ethic example. I'm really happy about that. I'm, I'm amazed. You know, when you look back, and you know, I have six brothers and sisters, and they're all done well for themselves over whatever they've ever done, and are in a good place. You don't hear that nowadays. I mean, there's a lot of tragedies amongst families, and it's hard to kind of, you know, work through all that. It's not easy to be a parent. We all know that now. Yeah. That's the whole restaurant community, too. It's, it's a family community, right? I mean, yeah. certainly brew pubs. You know, the idea is to, you, you go have a, a beer with your dad or, or whatever, and just it's a gather. Restaurants are gathering places. If we lose that, we're going to lose a, a, a lot of that family dynamic, I think. Well, that's one of the great things about this place is that you make you made it family-friendly. So usually when I think of a brew pub or something like that, I think it's for, you know, just 21 plus or family friendly. That's embracing the Nevada community as well. Yeah, we've always tried to be a part of the community here and helping out with some of the local charities, schools, churches. And, that, and that's also, it's, it's been a little harder to, to be charitable sure, the last right. couple of years. I mean, you're close to 150 days and they're calling up and asking, can I get free, free kegs of beer for the event? Little Sally's swim team, you know? Right. But, you know, at one point, I mean, literally, you know, if you go back about 10 years, and I counted up one year, we made 500 donations to 300 local groups. And that's what we did for, for years. Sure. I wish we could still do that, but it's been hard on the business. Restaurants for years were counted on. Because I wasn't the only one doing it. You right. know. Little league teams, all, sure. you name it, right? I mean, yeah, that's all how it sorts works. of fundraisers, right. good causes, right. events like uh, what's the big event? Where the Great Chefs. The Great Chefs. That's right. always a lot of fun. Yeah. They got bingo. <laughs> it's like, who? Watch my boot. I'll call friends and say, "Come me today. What are you doing? Just trust me. Come with me. We're going to Great Chefs. Oh, oh, oh. Do I got to work a lot? I just, just come just, on. Yeah. It's okay. Yes. We'll trade off. Yeah. You can watch the booth. I'll, I'll, I'll wander. And then you can wander. And then there's that's one of the best Tizer oh, yeah. cocktail hours of all time. I mean, it's all in one location for your enjoyment. Yes, epic, yes. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it was a, it was great this year. So it's nice to be able to share beer when you're there, or whiskey, or whatever, and and uh, see what people people think. So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time when we welcome Michael Vendel, the founder and CEO of Restonomics which includes clients Poggio and Copita, both in Sausalito. My name is Jeff Burkhardt. Thanks for listening.